Echo Dispatch with Jason Lewis. Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of the Echo Dispatch. After taking a break in November, we are back and back with an absolute cracker. For those who are listening for the first time, I'm Jason Lewis, Chief Reporter at the Bournemouth Daily Echo. In this latest episode, I stepped a little out of my comfort zone into an area which is definitely not my personal area of expertise, but a field which has always perked my interest. I sat down with Bournemouth-born artist Stuart Semple at his town centre studio to discuss his career, the current art industry landscape and what he believes the future might hold. Earlier this year, Stuart launched an art gallery in the Forbund Ebenham's building, which is now called Bobby's. The gallery, named Giant, has proved a huge success and I started my chat with Stuart by asking him if he ever thought he would have a flourishing studio and gallery in his hometown. No, not really. Well, I'd never really thought it would get to this sort of stage and I never really thought I'd be doing it in Bournemouth. I spent the best part of 10 years in London and the idea of having a studio like this in Bournemouth and a gallery like that was, is pretty weird. Um, certainly when I was a kid, there was nothing like this at all. So it's pretty strange, but good. You launched the gallery, obviously, and we did an article that you touched on that point. And really, it's that uniqueness of bringing something like this into the town centre. A few months on, how has it been received? Oh, the gallery's doing so well. I'm sort of flabbergasted, really. We're getting more visitors per day than some of the biggest London galleries now. Wow. And, and that's three months after opening. It's still happening. So that's just bonkers. And um, the studio here where we're making the work seems to have really sort of found its feet and we're doing some really interesting things. So, yeah, I'm really happy. And just touching on the studio, it's probably saying that, well, I didn't know as much about because it's not as public facing tell us a little bit about for the people that don't know about this place what goes on here and how important this is to everything that you do well the studio is the backbone of everything i make so i do quite a lot of big public art projects around the world big exhibitions i curate things obviously we make a lot of my work and my work could be big sculptures giant paintings we might be researching materials like the blackest black paint or the whitest white paint which we've just finished so we do things like that and um, look after my archive and my shows and all those things and i always like to mention it because behind every great expressive person or individual there's an amazing team yeah. and you've talked to me before the interview that i think it's 40 people you have yeah. working as part of your team just a quick word on the importance of what they are and what people oh, see i mean i'm so lucky to have such a great team in the studio and a lot of people don't understand that nowadays contemporary artists probably have a lot of people working in the studio with a lot of specialisms you know there are video editors here we have an astrophysicist in the studio <laughs> who helps me with the color chemistry uh, we have a forensic scientist we have content creators graphic designers that's incredible i've never even thought that so People going to those specialisms who, I'm guessing at one point, never even thought about being involved in art, have maybe fallen into it or they've just found a different route into it. That's yeah, it's it must be a real mix of people coming into the space and bringing the, the finished product. Yeah, I mean, you'd never sort of think that a forensic scientist or an astrophysicist would be working in an art studio. But um, it's a great environment for that. And I think I'm really interested in the way art and science come together. Just looking back at sort of what you've achieved so far, I'm not saying that you're done by any means. Um, What's your overriding emotion of, sort of your journey so far as an artist? I think gratitude. Like, I'm genuinely really thankful that I still get to do it. I mean, I've been doing it for 20 years and I sort of thought if I could do this for a couple of years, it'd be amazing. So to still be doing it every day is amazing. And so what, what's grateful. the feeling when you get feedback from someone who really connects with your work or inspires them or it just gives them that moment of pure, what, only what art can do really? It's just amazing. I mean, it's what you make it for. I mean, it, for me, it's all about the connection the audience have with the things that, that 
I put out there and um, every now and then it just strikes a nerve and it seems to work. It's like yesterday, um, a dad was taking his two daughters around the gallery, and I think they were about six or seven, and one of them, he said to his kids, if you carry on with your colouring, maybe one day you'll have your work in a gallery like this. And I thought, yeah, it was kind of worth doing. It's moments like that. Yeah, and it's not just the one person, that's just people every single day, isn't it? That stacks up, becomes tens, hundreds, thousands so. of people, which I don't think you can really ever comprehend in that moment, can you? It's only no. when it maybe reflects later, further down the line. Yeah, on, probably. On when did you first realise or decide you wanted to be an artist? Well, it's a bit weird. It comes in two stages. So I first fell in love with art when I was eight years old and my mum took me uh, to the National Gallery and I saw Van Gogh's Sunflowers. And it was just the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. The colours, everything about it. And she said I was kind of like, I started physically shaking. She was like, I had a really weird reaction to it. So I wanted to be an artist at that point, but I thought they were all dead and they were in museums and they were like dodos. I didn't realise that there were living people who were artists. Then my art college here in Poole took me to see the Sensation show in, at the end of the 90s and I saw contemporary art. I saw Damien Hirst, I saw Tracy Emin, I saw work like that. And I was like, oh my God, people who are alive are making art and they're talking about the world we're in now. Wow, this is possible. And then when I was... About a year after that, I had a near-death experience and I nearly died. It was very traumatic, but I decided that I wanted to be an artist as like, this is what I want to do with my life. So it changed. So it came in two parts, when I was young at eight and then later as a teenager, wow. really. And just kicked on from there, really? Yeah, yeah. And who were or are your inspirations? I guess it's hard to keep it to a few, but... Yeah, I mean, different people inspire me all the time. I mean, there's ones that I keep going back to, though. John Lennon's a huge inspiration, particularly in the later era where he was making things with Yoko Ono, so I keep going back to that. And a lot of musicians, a lot of songwriters, which is kind of strange, that I kind of orbit around. And then in visual arts, people like Basquiat, Rauschenberg, Warhol a little bit, Sigma Polka, but... Yeah, I mean, it's a whole mixed bag, but a lot of musicians, really. With that music side, is it perhaps an inspiration to try and visualise what they're creating with sound, or is it, is it something else that's done? I, I, I like work the words and the poetry in music. So if you listen to something like Bob Dylan, I mean, it's just an incredible lyricism that you don't really get in painting. And I feel like music affects me emotionally in a way that no other art form does. It's so direct. So that's why I'm obsessed with it. And I always kind of wanted to make paintings that were more like songs or like hit you like a song. I don't think I've ever achieved that, but that's kind of like the, the goal. And I'm obsessed with their process, the way they make work. Yeah, because that's the thing, is it? art is a process, isn't it? It's never going to be, I guess, and there's never perfection, is there? You're probably, are you your own worst critic? Yeah, I very rarely like most of it. Wow, really? Not, is there anything, if I said to you, what's the, your favourite thing you've ever done, or would you say, would you be struggling to, to pick up? I'd probably struggle with that. Really? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's one or two things that I, that, I, that I kind of think are kind of important to me personally, but, you know, I don't really think any of it's like great art or anything. Wow. Well, I'm sure a lot of people beg to differ. Along the, this journey so far, has there ever been a point where you've almost given up with art at all or been sort of so disillusioned with it that you just wanted to potentially well, pack it in? It's kind of weird. So I think art's different. So in other professions, when you get really low and things are really bad, you kind of want to throw the towel in and stop. I'm the opposite. So when things in my life are really bad, I was actually homeless in the last recession 
and it would have been the obvious time to quit doing art. You have no money, you are homeless, you have a three-month-old child. But it was then that I wanted to do art more than ever because art helps you through those times. So at my lowest points, I make arguably the stronger work and I do it more. So it's actually when everything's going great and everything's fine, it's really hard to make an excuse to make art. Because mm. making art's hard work. You know, you'd rather not do it. It's not easy. And does that sort of mean that sometimes it gives you that feeling or that sort of, um, not the motivation, but the sort of, the subject to base the art around potentially, is yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. Drive? I mean, it's a bit of a cliche in a way to say, you know, people who are having a bad time make good art, but it does tend to be a bit like that. And um, I need a reason to make things, otherwise I'm just making things for the sake of it. So you need to have some experience behind it. And what have been the biggest challenges in establishing yourself? You're probably going to say that you don't feel you are established, but a lot of people yeah. recognise your name, recognise your work, and just have to see what social media activities out there that people really do respect and sort of admire what you have created. I don't know. I think I think the hardest thing's been to sort of keep keep independent and keep the integrity because there are a lot of moments where I could have gone off and done a bit of a Damien Hirst thing and probably made a lot more money than I have. But really just kind of keeping the integrity in the works, the main thing. And it's just a challenge to like get up next day and make the next thing and keep the ideas moving and not get stuck. It's really easy. Like a lot of artists just get stuck doing the same thing again and again and again. Mm. And um, that's what I fight most, I think. And I'm sure there's very few artists that are, and you definitely don't strike me as someone that is, is that it's nothing to do with the money. It's purely about your love of art and love of expressing what you want to create. Well, when I was homeless, I made art. Yeah. When I nearly died, I made art. It's what I'm going to do no matter what. It's never about that. Do you have any sort of regrets relating to your work as an artist today? Be that sort of a missed opportunity or a decision you made, or is it just all sort of a learning experience? Oh, there's loads. There's so many artworks that I regret making. Really? Yeah, I look back and I kind of... Every now and then one comes up at auction or something, and I'm so... Oh, no, not that. Oh, gosh, you know... So, yeah, it's just so many artworks that I cringe when I look at. And, yeah. and do you just try and forget about that? Or is it just you try and see the positive of it that, well, since then I've done this? Or Well, I'm always thinking about the next thing I'm going to make, you know, so I don't really kind of dwell on it, but it does kind of make me cringe when I see it. And, and how important for you, and this seems like quite a big philosophical question, but how important is art to society, especially in the current climate? I think it's really important, but I think we've got to understand, I mean, we can go on all day about this, but we have to understand why it's important and what we expect it to do. And the, the problem we have is people go, is art more important than a frontline nurse? And the answer is no. A frontline nurse or a school teacher is always going to be more important to society than art. And no artist wants to hear me say it, but that's the truth. But society without art is very, very boring, and we get nothing to live for. We get no Netflix to watch, we get no great music videos, our magazines look rubbish, our clothes are dull and our cars are naff, and that's why we need art. So art, to me, is the icing on the cake that makes our experience richer, and I think that's very, very important. And do you think over the last year we've, that's really hit home for a lot of people? I think a lot of people really do respect art. I think it's growing all the time. I think it's um, become more a part of all of our lives in some way, shape or form, be that um, a Netflix show or, or music or whatever. It's definitely got us through the pandemic, there's no doubt about that. And um, 
Yeah, I think I think people love arts and the arts in general more than ever. And nothing proves that more than how the gallery's gone today. Well, absolutely. And, and yeah. you, you've spoken before about concerns about or your views on the situation with art and in the area and culturally mm. the town. Do you think that isn't on changing potentially now at the moment down yeah. here or is it it's gonna be a long journey I assume, but do you think it is I'm seeing so many exciting changes. Um AUB have just moved all their MA painting students below this studio, like they've moved into this building and there's, there is, whether we appreciate it or not, a 15,000 square foot contemporary art gallery in the town centre, which we've never had before, it's the biggest one outside London. So it's changing and um, people are coming and people are talking about it and they, and they get it. So I think it's happening. And what do you think more needs to happen? What could be the next step? Or is it just going to be a spiralling ball that's just going to keep rolling and with that momentum it'll just hopefully, naturally Hopefully there'll be a positive wind and it will start to expand and we'll see more art studios, more makers um, and then the public will start to be more interested and have a way in to understand it because I understand art can be quite alienating for some people, a bit frightening even. So, um, you know, what we're doing at the gallery is trying to encourage people to engage with, with art. And, and what would be your suggestion to someone? Say I'm a person who's maybe gone around the old gallery but probably doesn't feel like they quite understand it. Would you just say just immerse yourself into it, read as much as you want, find things you like and explore them? Start with something that you find interesting or that you like. Spot something, oh, that's really fascinating. And then do a little Google or talk to someone in the gallery about it or look it up and you'll be off. But you need to start with a genuine interest in something, I'd say. The Echo Dispatch with Jason Lewis. Almost 20 years on from his first major London solo exhibition, Stuart has a wealth of experience and insight in his field of work. His thoughts on the biggest challenge facing the art industry were particularly interesting. This is going to be quite an odd one. I think that as so many more people are coming in, uh, new audiences, a lot of speculators, more people buying art, is to... Um, not dumb down the art itself and I think that there's a pressure for art to become more like entertainment and it's going to lose its edge and its integrity for what it could do and I think that's the biggest pressure we've got with things like the, the, the NFT and all this kind of thing we get very speculative, people trying to make money rather than make great art and I, I think that's a big risk Is it important to get, so to keep that broad spectrum of art so there's a differentiation and people go down different themes and explore different ideas. Exactly, we need art to be as broad as possible so there's something that anyone can identify with from the really weird convoluted abstract art that very few people understand all the way down to more accessible things and I think it's vital that we have that whole spectrum and it's inclusive of all the voices of people that make it, you know, whoever they are, wherever they've come from, whatever their story is, it needs to be told in art. Slightly on a change of tap, but do you have any concerns about we see seeing so many walks of sign out cancel culture, whether that be a celebrity or a TV personality or a movement mm. impacting on the art and industry? Because freedom yeah. of expression is so important and at the core, from what I can see, of an artist and what they do. Yeah. And is there a risk that this cancel culture, if someone yeah. challenges a controversial subject or theme, Yes. It could be very dangerous. Yeah, it's really scary. So there was a big thing, um, there's going to be a Philip Guston show at the Tate that got cancelled. He came out of the civil rights movement in America, painted KKK, sort of Klansman, very anti that, of course. He stood adamantly against it in his work. But because of the cancel culture and the internet and social media, the curators at Tate pulled the show 
And a lot of people in the art world thought that was a very dangerous thing to do for freedom of speech. And I'm seeing it all the time. And I think it comes from the fact that the audience might not be so clued up about what they're looking at. And there's a misunderstanding that if you put something on a pedestal or put it into a gallery, that you're actually celebrating that thing, that all art celebrates the subject. So, we, you know, for instance, we showed Jake and Dinos Chapman's vests at the gallery. And um, these are very important, powerful anti-terror works. They've made works about terrorism for three decades. They founded a charity called Peace One Day to speak about peace. But we put their works, which depicted uh, suicide vests in the gallery, and um, a lot of people thought that we were celebrating that atrocity, which, of course, we're not. They're not. Um, Picasso made a wonderful painting, Guernica, one of the most important paintings ever made, which is about the disasters of war. It hangs at the UN to remind us of peace. But that would, in today's... Uh, age, maybe that painting would have got cancelled, and that would have been a tragedy for for humanity. So it's a, yeah, it's a very real risk. It's frightening. And there's two sides to that. What would you feel the art industry and artists can or maybe need to do to try and tackle that? Is it be very proactive in explaining the art? But I'm sure they're trying to they explain it all the time anyway. When you have curators and stuff about the meaning behind the art. Yeah, you try, but um, when work becomes controversial like that, it does stimulate an emotion. I mean, you look at those suicide vests by Jake and Jake, it hits you. They are emotional. They are bad objects. They're nasty things. And you can't really criticise the public for having that response to them because that's the point. That's how the dialogue starts. I don't think it's up to the artist to defend the work, um, but I do think it's the responsibility of the gallery and the curator to help the public across the threshold of understanding it. And I'm guessing the advice to be the public would be to, to try and understand or to engage in it and speak to the experts and yeah, don't be like in a snap reaction to it and look at it in its context because mm. that's an issue I find over the time now is that things get taken out of context or people don't know the full meaning of something mm. and things can look very different when you don't have that, yeah, that understanding absolutely. or meaning behind it. So yeah. I'm guessing it's a yeah. hope that people can look at the full picture yeah. rather than saying nice and, and, and also it's absolutely fine to not like a work of art. You know, that's totally cool. If you hate the thing and you think it's terrible, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, that's, that's absolutely fine. We, it's not all about pretty pictures that everybody likes. You know, we've moved beyond that. Time back to yourselves now. What advice would you give a young Stuart Semple starting out when you did? Looking back now on all that you've experienced. I'd probably tell me to make a lot more work and spend a lot longer in the studio and not get distracted so much and be a lot more focused about the work because I wasted a lot of time messing about with a lot of nonsense. And would that change if you were young now in terms of coming up in the industry now? Would there be anything that's changed in the industry or...? If you can sort of, sort of see what I'm saying, does that feedback change because um, the industry's changed so much, or would it be the same advice? Um, I'd, I'd probably tell it, tell myself now that I really need to understand social media and make that a priority. But I'd definitely tell myself to keep making work. Yeah. So I'd add the social media thing on, probably. And for you, you must see a lot of young artists come through now, whether it's you are able to display their work, you see them. What is that like to see young artists coming through with fresh ideas and taking art to places that you haven't seen it taken before, maybe? Oh, that's thrilling. I mean, that's the best bit. And I really feel like the next generation that's coming up are really, really interesting. They're really fascinating. Um, it's been a bit boring for a couple of decades, if I'm totally honest. But this new generation that's coming out of art school now, they're really, really on it. They're really hot. 
Is there anything specific that excites you about them? Or? Um, yeah, lots. I mean, they, they know how to wield technology, but they're not a slave to it. So they're using it to make work in really interesting ways, but they're deeply politicised. They're acutely aware of what they're making. Um, and I think they're going to contribute some really big ideas to the world, and that's what we need. If someone had suggested that to you maybe 10 years ago, would you have seen that as a realistic thing that would be coming up from the next generation? Or was it always in the pipeline for you that this is how it would be? Well, I felt like sooner or later something had to give because it was very boring for a while and all the art colleges were chucking out very mediocre art. In my opinion, a lot of it was very average. But maybe the world wasn't interesting. Maybe the culture needed to shift so that interesting work happened. I don't blame the art schools or the students, you know. I'm glad it's happening. Then turning forward to the future, now firstly... For yourself, if you can say, I know a lot of time people can't say because it's they've got plans they're trying to keep in the But what, what's the future for you looking like over um, in the short term and maybe in the over well, the next just to years? keep doing it. But I've been in the studio working on a new series of paintings for the last couple of months, and I'm kind of I've broken the back of that now, and I'm in the sort of flow with it. So I'm hoping next year to have a painting show. Um, I haven't had a show of my paintings for about five years. The last one was in LA five years ago. So I'm hoping to have a big show in London maybe next year if these new works. So that's it really, and keep the studio going and keep doing the public art projects. I think I'm going to do a big public art installation, hopefully in Shanghai, wow. early next year. But, yeah. And what's your feelings about having your own work back on display after five years? Is it terrifying for? Is it exciting? What's the feelings? Um, I don't know. I haven't really thought about the show side of it. I'm more sort of in the trenches of making the stuff at the moment. So. I'm just kind of feeling my way through the work, but I'm quite excited to share it. I think, you know, a lot of people who are into the paintings have been waiting too long, and I know it's a bit unfair, so I'm sort of doing my best. And what's that like? Was it a big decision to get back into the studio, or was it saying that tweaked and inspired you to jump back in there? Well, I'm a, I'm a bit weird, because when I'm not painting, I'm not painting. So I can take years out of painting, and I'm not doing it because I've got nothing to say, and there's no reason to go in there. But I started, as, as I sort of alluded to earlier, like really looking at songwriters and their process and how they work in the studio. And I realised John Lennon recorded Imagine in nine days and it completely blew my mind. It's like, how do you make an album like that in nine days? So I completely dissected his whole working process. And I brought that process into the studio and I was like, right, can I approach this like a record producer? And it's opened this whole new way of making paintings. It's actually really exciting. So it's been pulling me in, like I'm fascinated by it. And... I'm doing work that I never imagined I'd be doing. Incredible. It might all go horrendously wrong. <laughs> no, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And your passion for it is just so sort of um, infusing to come across. And um, looking at, firstly, art, scene, culture here locally as we are in yeah. this small corner of Dorset, what does the future potentially hold for that, do you think? I know it's not all in your control and you're not the, um, the grandmaster of it all, but... I'm not the grandmaster of it all by any means, but... There's a lot of the right people having the right conversations and that's all, you know, and I can speak to the heads of AUB at the art college, the councillors that I've been meeting. Um, there's a general movement that a lot of people have got their heads around the fact that culture could be a major catalyst for this area. And I think with the right will, um, it's going to happen. I think it's going to be really exciting. I think it's gonna be, there's going to be a lot to see and do soon. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. And, and the wider field of the industry as well, it's a bit of a crystal ball question, but can you predict where that might be going in the next few years? Um, the art industry in general, I think, is going to keep growing. I mean, it's grown exponentially over the last 20 years. There's no signs that it's getting any smaller. Um, you know, 
But let's see what happens to the quality. Sometimes when things go big, it's uh, quality, quantity over quality is the, is the risk. And just lastly, to end on, if you had, I could say to you, was the one thing that you wish people always got right because they have a misconception about something, whether that's about yourself, your art, art in general, what would you say in response to that? That's that a big question, isn't it? Um, I don't know, there seems to be a misconception that like art's hard or you need some sort of art degree to look at it. and. I suppose my message is art is for everybody and everybody has a chance to get it and it's not as difficult as you've been led to believe, probably. It's an amazing point to end on. Thank you very much, Stuart. Thanks for having me. It's nice to see you. That concludes the sixth episode of The Echo Dispatch. I hope you enjoyed hearing Stuart's thoughts on all things art. This podcast is available on a number of major podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Please let me know your thoughts on the series and anyone you'd like to be interviewed by emailing me on jason.lewis at bournemouthecho.co.uk. Thanks for listening, and bye for now. The Echo Dispatch with Jason Lewis.